0: That's the question of the day. Are we ready to listen, right? Welcome to Metro Believers Church. We're so glad that you're here. If you don't have one of our outlines, lift up your hands and our ushers will get you one. Hey, this is the conclusion of our series called The Voice. Can you believe that? Just four weeks (laughs) and we actually finish, we're finishing up today. So um, if you're a first time visitor with us today, we're so glad you're here. If you'd like to stop by the Information Center on your way out, we have a free gift for you. Um, If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you. Um, There's a lot of good people around here, some of them on vacation right now. But uh, uh, we're just sort of the not-so-perfect church. And I want to welcome the live stream audience. Hey, come on, let's put our hands together and say, hey, thanks for joining us. Come on. So, uh, we have the, the curtains open, not so we can see if a storm's coming today, <laughs> okay, um, but we just thought we would try something different, see how it looks. Um, so, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you like it? Let me see your hands. All right, you like that open? By a show of hands, how many of you do not like it? Let me see your hands. You count. Couple, couple, yeah, got some glares happening, but most, for for most for the most part, Dave, I think I think it's a, maybe a good thing. Maybe when it's really sunny, it might be tough, but we'll see. Yeah, we just thought we'd try a few different things, like we are with the different screens and the setup and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal: if you if you consider Metro Believers Church your home church, um, like like Dan was talking about, uh, let's it, it's time to sort of reboot, reboot and rebuild. All right. And so if you're a part of NBC, we'd love to have you help us out, okay? It takes a lot of work to do what we do, um, so if you're, if you're available, if you really want to be a part of this thing, um, we'd love to have you help us out for setup or kids' church or sound or video or um, ushering or any of the other things that uh, we have going on here. If you would like to find out what is available, Dave, right there, just wave your hand, Dave, so everybody knows who that is if you're new. Um, but we have been talking about how to know the will of God, um, how God speaks, you know, the things, that, the things that He says. We've been talking about how to know when God is speaking into our hearts, um, and does, does God really have a plan for my life? We've been talking about, you know, the fact that God is still in the business of speaking to His kids All right? As a matter of fact, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 25, it simply says this. says, see to it that you do not refuse. How many of you know you can refuse God speaking to your lives? You can refuse. And so, see to it that you do not refuse him who what? Still speaks. In other words, God is speaking to our hearts. And Dan, Dan talked about it this morning in worship and and uh, Nicole as well, just the fact that, that God is sort of speaking something into our hearts. And you don't, do you know that God wants to do that on a regular basis? You know, he, he, uh, Matt was talking about sort of, you know, last year going through the, the whole Daniel perspective, and then God sort of impressing upon his heart this morning about that verse. And here we are talking about it in worship. And see, God is a real God. Amen? And he's still on the throne. And he is not just a God, he's our God. He's a personal God. He cares about our lives, see? And he wants to speak words, words of challenge, words of encouragement, words that can help redefine our lives, words that can help bring clarity into our lives when perhaps confusion is going on. And uh, God just wants to do that. He wants to speak something into our hearts and our lives. And we've been talking about that. We talked about in order to really find out God's personal will for our lives. And how many of you believe he has one? He does. Everyone in this place, just so you know, every, every single person under the sound of my voice, whether live stream or here, every single person has a ministry and a mission. Did you hear me? You you may say, well, I'm not called to be a pastor, but I promise you, you are called to represent the king. Did you hear me? You are called, anointed, and appointed for such a time as this. In other words, you're here for a reason. You're not here to just take up space and go through the motions and, you know, get up, eat breakfast, go to work, come home, feed the dog, you know, do your chores around the house, go to bed and sort of rinse and repeat. (laughs) You know that's that's part of life. I I get it. I understand that. But there's so much more out there that God has for us. There's there's so much more ministry that God has for you, and and it can happen in tandem with what you do. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, it can it can happen in concert with um, what you do in life. But see, when you don't understand that God has a purpose and a plan for your lives, you just sort of go through the motions and you think, you know, it's all you. No, God God wants to work through us. God wants to work in us. Amen? God wants to work in us and God wants to speak to our hearts. And, and we found out that if we're ever going to understand or really know God's personal will— for our lives, that we first have to commit to a couple things. First of all, the the supreme or the sovereign will of God. Second of all, the written or the moral will of God. And once we commit to those things and we start walking that out, in other words, what the Bible says about our lives and what the Bible says in general, when we commit to the general will of God, then and only then will we really begin to understand and ascertain God's personal will will for our lives. How many of you are excited about the fact that God has a plan for your life? God really does. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says this, for I know the plans, or we could say, for I know the purpose that I have for you. The purpose. Everyone say purpose. Purpose. Everyone say this. Say, God has a a purpose for my life. Now let's say it one more time together. Let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. God has a purpose for my life. See, God has a purpose for my life. And, and, and Jeremiah said, I, I know that God spoke to him and said, I know the plans that I, I know the purpose I have for you, God says, declares the Lord. Plans to do what? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope in the future. See, God, right there in the middle of what you do on a regular basis, God has plans for you. God wants to take what you do and turn it into a platform for ministry. See? And if you, if you don't understand that, if you if you got your eyes shut to it, you'll never really tap into the power potential that God has for you on a regular basis. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about throughout this, throughout this series. First of all, we talked about the whole idea that, that, you know, Quiet the Riot was learning how to shut off some of the voices that destroy us. It was just, you know, some of the things that go on the inside of us, things that people say, things that the enemy says, things that we say, things that we heard, things that have been spoken over us as a child. We talked about quieting the riots, silencing the voices that destroy us, that mess us up, that get us off track. In this part of that series, The Voice, we've been talking about how to actually tune in to God's voice, how to do that. for the last three weeks, we've been talking about how to tune in to what God has to say and developing some parameters um, of how to hear God's voice and how to know God's will. And uh, in order for us to do that, we've, we've got to kind of resolve four things, um, and, and, and that's simply this: first, first, you, do, how do you know? How do you know if an idea or an impression or a voice is from God, right? how do you know that? Second, how do you know when an idea is from who? Satan. Third, how do you know when an idea is from who? Or just you, right? And then fourth, how do you know when it's just too many tacos (laughs) that you had last night? (laughs) You know, just the whole idea of kind of something's coming from somewhere. I'm just not really sure if it's God, How many of you know that not everything you get or every voice you hear is from God? So, yeah, like, for example, uh, my wife calls me a fair fair amount, quite a bit, you know, and uh, oftentimes when the phone rings, it's her. And, you know, and, but how many of you know it would be foolish for me to believe that every time the phone rings, it's her? I mean, can you imagine me picking up the phone in my, my Lou Rawls voice, my good old sexy voice? <laughs> yeah, and it being, you know, um, it being Dan, right? No, huh? No, huh? Thank God for caller ID, right? <laughs> but here's the deal, and some people, but some people, it's, it's kind of like that. It's, there's an, that's an illustration of how people interpret everything that comes. You know, every voice they hear, every impression they have, every thought that crosses through is from God, see? And so uh, you can't do that because you'll get yourself in trouble. Everyone say trouble. So you have to, you have to learn how to put things to the test. As a matter of fact, In your notes there, and on the screen, you'll see a Bible verse uh, from 1 John that really encourages us to do that. It says simply this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, every spirit, but what? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. In other words, you have to put this to the test. You can't just believe everything that comes into your life or the impressions that you get are from the lord because the enemy the enemy can mess us up just so you know masquerading the bible says what as a angel of light see trying to pretend that this is from the lord and and get you to buy into it and before you know it you kind of get yourself off track because you've listened to the wrong voice. And so that's why the Scripture tells us, put it to the test. Put it to the test. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because sometimes, sometimes it's from God. Sometimes those impressions or voices are from the enemy, from Satan. And sometimes it's just you. <laughs> you know, you have, you have something that you want to do, and you kind of put God's name on it. Anyone ever done that? No, I'm, I have to confess I have. Yeah, you just kind of put God's name on it. So today, I want to sort of conclude this series to help us all really put things to the test. And I want to give you seven different ways to test the impressions that we get, the, the, the prophetic words that we get, the prophetic ideas that we get. I believe in the prophetic. I believe God speaks. And I believe God helps give us direction through the prophetic voice that operates within our own personal lives as well as the church. But I think we all have to test that to make sure it's God so we don't get ourselves in trouble. So seven ways to test an impression. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right. Number one, does it agree with the what? The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, right? Does it agree with the Bible? Because God never contradicted what he's already said. Did you hear me? He will never, ever, ever contradict what he's already said. God's not going to tell you to do something that is written in the book that he said don't do. In other words, the prophetic voice doesn't supersede the written word of God. Did you get that? The prophetic voice doesn't supersede the written word of God. In other words, God's not going to tell you to go out and rob a bank because the Bible says thou shalt not what? Steal, Steal, right? Basic stuff. I understand that. But you can take this into the very specific, very important, very fundamental things in our lives. And, And it does it agree with the Word of God. He's not going to bend the rules for you. He's not going to say something to you, you know, that you can do and you should do that you know, the Bible specifically tells us not to do. Listen, folks, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard over the last almost 40 years in ministry, people tell me things that God spoke to them that are so far outside of the bounds of the written word of God. It's not funny. But somehow they justify it as, but but God spoke this to me, and I understand that, but this is what God wants from me, and this is what he told me to do. And uh, How many of you know if if it contradicts the word of God, it's not from him? Because God's will and God's word are one. Did you hear me? God's word and God's will are one. So he's not going to speak to you and say, this is my will for your life, if it's outside of the bounds of Scripture. So that's the first thing that we've got to do when we hear from the Lord, when we sense God speaking to our lives. Listen, fads change, right? Fads change, cultures change, even science changes. Does anyone ever remember back, you know, maybe I'm dating myself, I probably am. Does anyone remember bell-bottoms? Man, I wished I had a pair I could put on for this morning. I was thinking about bell-bottoms this week because I was thinking about that, all the different things that have changed, you know. You used to have to go, you know, dial a rotary phone to make a phone call. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember the phone booths? I was in Seattle Airport uh, a few weeks ago. and I saw, actually saw a pay phone, and I haven't seen one in years, you know. So things change. You know, all sorts of things change. You know, some of the things that we talked about, you know, back when I was a kid, they, they, you know, it's someday, and well, this is the someday, right, that we're experiencing some of that. But how many of you know the truth of God's Word lasts forever? Yeah. This doesn't change, right? This doesn't change. Methods, methods change. In in ministry over the last 39 years, I've seen so many different methods, you know, for presenting the gospel change. Um, But how many of you know the message never does? I mean, you can take it to the bank, Jordan, right? The, The message is sacred. Methods aren't. Okay, methods may change. Lots of things change, but God's word never what? It never ever changes the vast majority of for God's will for your life is written right here in this book all right as you read it God will use it as a foundation talking about the the song this morning right as a foundation for making his plans known to you say God will use his word as a foundation to help you understand his plans for your life. All you have to do is read it, see? All you have to do is read it. You don't don't need to read all sorts of other stuff. Read the Bible. That's the first and foremost thing that we need to be reading. Because here's the deal. If you don't know the Bible, you can be duped by the enemy. If you don't know it. If you don't know it, that's why why Satan wants to keep you away from this book. (laughs) He wants to keep you away. He wants to, you know, give you all sorts of other things to do, you know, to occupy your time and your space. So it keeps you out of the book. Because he knows if you know the Bible, if you know God's word, then chances of you being duped by the enemy are less as possible. See? And God wants to do that for us. He wants to help us. He wants to show us. He wants to teach us. And that's why people do stupid things in the name of God. They don't, they don't know what the Bible says. And then they go out and do things and they say, you know, God told me to do this. And God, how many of you ever heard somebody say or seen on the news, God say, or someone say in the name of God, he told them to do something that is so stupid. It's so outside of the will or word of God that you just scratch your head. It's just amazing sometimes how many people do that. But remember Jesus when he, was in the gar- or when he was in the wilderness? Remember there was a few words that he spoke when the enemy came to tempt him, to get him to do something that was outside of God's will? There was three words that he said. Who can tell me what they are? It is, it is what? Written. It's written. It's written. Well, how can you know what's written unless you know what's written? Some of you say, well, well, that was Jesus, of course. (laughs) No, no, no. He wants us to know that. Amen? He wants us to hide his word in our hearts so that we might not, what, sin against him. We might not miss his will for our lives. So that's the first thing that we want to use as we put things to the test. Second, second thing is, uh, am I in right relationship with God? Am I in right relationship with God? The Bible tells us that we, that, that we are built in three different parts, spirit, soul, and body. And I like to say it like this because it helps me understand what I'm talking about. I am, those of you that know this, you can say it with me. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Greg. Greg says, I haven't heard you say that in a while. <laughs> I am a what? I have a what? And I live in a what? See, if you don't understand the three parts that you are made in, then oftentimes you'll get confused. And and there's actually three of me as you look up here. (laughs) There's three of me. Uh, That that answers to the split personality, right? Uh, But three of me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. And so you can't trust your body. How many of you know that? Your body will get you into trouble if you listen to it because it has kind of cravings that aren't necessarily tethered to God's Word and His will. You know, you find yourself wanting something from a physical standpoint that may not be healthy for you. You can't even trust your soul because oftentimes its emotions will drag you in a place you don't want to go either, okay? Okay unless it's being renewed by the Word of God. But here's the deal. Your spirit, the part of you that's the real you, your spirit is the part that is completely connected to God. If you have been born, what, again, all right, you've received Christ as Lord and Savior, then your spirit is alive to God. And that's what you can trust, see, as you're building your lives and developing your life to become spiritually minded. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 out of the New King James Version says this, for to be carnally minded, to be carnally minded, that's just talking about that we're led by the flesh, okay? Carnally minded is of the flesh, but it's death. But to be spiritually minded is what? It's life and peace. And how many of you want that? Life and peace. Well, notice how you get it. You're spiritually minded. You've trained your spirit how to hear from heaven. You've trained your spirit what the Word says. You've connected with God on a spiritual level. And you're bringing your, your flesh or your body and your, or your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions under subjection to the spirit, and you're spiritually minded. Or we could say it like this, you're spiritually dominated, right, instead of fleshly dominated or solely the old man kind of thinking dominated. See, major. we should never make a major decision unless our spirit man is strong. And I encourage people to do this when they're talking about uprooting, you know, getting married, doing different things. And I say, you know, you should never make a major decision unless you are spiritually strong. Never do it in a place of weakness, a place of necessarily wilderness where you're out there and you haven't heard from heaven. You really aren't tapped into the the presence of God. Because here's the deal. It's a terrible time to make a decision when you are wounded, when you are hurt and emotionally unstable. And I see people do it on a regular basis. They, they are wounded, they're hurt, they're emotionally unstable, and they're making decis- life decisions when they shouldn't be doing that. So a in right relationship with God is the next one. Romans 12:2 says this: Don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, everyone say renewing. renewing, renewing of your mind. See, every time you get into the Word of God, every time you read your devotions, every time you come to church and hear a message or a podcast, every, every time you, you get into this book, you renew your mind. In other words, you're, you're starting to think things perhaps you've never thought before. Maybe you weren't raised that way, or maybe you never thought that way. And, so, and suddenly, God starts to paint a new picture on the inside of you. You're renewing your mind. And, and the Bible tells us this. It says, when we do that, we will be able to test. There's that word test again. Test and approve what God's will is. So we're talking about God's will, knowing God's will. But when you learn how to renew your mind and you learn the transformation process that God wants to take us all through, we learn how we can actually know God's will, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. Number two, or number three, the third thing that we need to do to put it to the test, does it make me more like Christ? (laughs) Does it, does that word that you have, does that impression that you have, does that really make you more like Christ? Or will it produce the, what, what I like to call the qualities of Jesus? Qualities of Jesus, Dan, right? The qualities of Jesus. Remember the whole what would Jesus do thing? You know, we all had wristbands and or a lot of us did. How many of you had a wristband that said, what would Jesus do? Or WWJD, yeah? And what was it supposed to do? It was supposed to be a reminder to think like Jesus would. In in other words, in the midst of this decision that I'm facing, in the midst of of this impression, in the midst of this word, prophetic word, or, or something that I'm sensing in my heart, what would Jesus do here, right? What would Jesus do? And you have to ask yourself, what would Jesus do with this decision? What does it look like? Let me give you a great checklist that will help you screen out some of the things that are not from him versus some of the things that are from him. In other words, does that word or that direction or that will, sense God's will for your life, does it make me more like Jesus? It's in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, It's it's there in your notes. It'll appear on the screen. You can open up your app and underline and highlight it. But check this out. James talks about two types of wisdom here. Yeah. Two types of wisdom. Everyone say two types, of wisdom. two types of wisdom. Two types of wisdom. And this is what he says He says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, Of the devil, I wish James wouldn't beat around the bush so much. (laughs) It's what? It's it's what? It's earthly, unspiritual, and of the what? Devil. And then he goes on and says, "For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there there you'll find disorder and every evil practice." Now I don't know about you, but back in the day, Vicky and I when we would start to sense in our lives, in our homes, in our family, in our job, in our situation, when we'd start to sense disorder, chaos, confusion, you know, things that were going on that were outside of what God had for us, we would take a look in the mirror and wonder, God, is there some envy going on here? Is there some bitterness? Is there some selfishness? Because where you find those things, the Bible says, where you find those things, you will find disorder or chaos, confusion, and every evil practice. That's the first kind of wisdom. So, does it make me more like Christ? Here's a great aspect of what the character traits of Christ are, and it's the second type of wisdom that James mentions. mentions. He says, but the wisdom that comes down from where? from heaven. What did yours say, Dan? Above. above, okay. The wisdom that comes down from above or from heaven or from God, we could say, first of all is pure. Think about that for a minute. Then it's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of what? Mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere. Now, those are the two types of wisdom. Now, God wants us to choose the second type of wisdom, the second kind of wisdom, right? He wants these these ideas, these perspectives, these character traits to become real on the inside of us as we embrace the right kind of wisdom. Does it make it more, does it make us more like Jesus? These eight things These are all character qualities of Christ. How many of you know that? As you read your Bible, you'll see these come out in the life of Christ. So here's the idea. When I get an impression from God, when when I really sense that God's leading me in a particular direction, will it make you more like Jesus? Will it develop the character trait or Christ likeness in your life? That's another way you can put it to the test. The fourth thing is simply this. Have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Some of you are like, nah, I don't need to talk to anybody. I know how to hear from God. <laughs> it's like it's just like me and the Lone Ranger. I'm the Lone Ranger. But how many of you know Lone Ranger had a what? A Tonto, right? It's a... It, it's, it's, it's arrogant to think that you can figure out life completely on your own, and you don't need the input of other godly people. Some of you say, well, I can't trust my friends. I can't trust my fill-in-the-blank. Well, then you need to get some new ones. <laughs> you see? Because you need to be able to trust people in your life that you can, you can submit things to, and you can get input. Godly counsel on stuff in your life, especially, like I said. I'm not talking about you call, you know, three people and say, I, I, I'm wondering if I should go to pick and save or Target today. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about major life decisions that, that are so important that you really need to make the right decision and not be duped by the enemy. See, God never intended for you and I to live life alone and in isolation. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. If you read the Bible, you'll find you'll find that, that one of the things that he likes to do is get us, you know, divide and conquer, divide and conquer, divide and conquer, get you outside of the body that God has placed you in so you can be a greater target. Did you hear me? And so the enemy wants to get you separated, sort of, we could say like this, called out of the flock, so to speak, off by yourself, so you have no defenses around you to help you fight the good fight of faith. See, See, God set it up that way. God set it up that way, that you and I, it was never intended for you or I to live our lives in isolation or to be alone, see? So have we sought godly counsel? Are we in relationship with people to the degree where we can actually invite godly counsel, see? And, I mean, that's why God gave you a, a spiritual family. That's why God gave that to you. That's why you have maybe a small group or you have some spiritual authority in your life so that, so that when you get something, you can submit it to the people in your lives so that you can get the type of counsel you need to actually stay out of trouble, Amen? See, so you always look for, you know, for God to confirm an impression with the people that you trust. Vicky and I, I'm not preaching something that we haven't lived. Every single major decision that Vicki and I have ever made, we have sought godly counsel over. We have, we have invited the input. We've shared the impressions when we planted the church in Iron Mountain, Michigan, In 1980, 81, when we were thinking about doing that, we were doing seminars up there. We felt like God was telling, we we, we went to our pastor and we went to our spiritual leadership and we asked them what they thought and we allowed them to speak into our lives. If they had said, we don't think this is from from the Lord right now, we'd have put the whole thing on hold because we believe in that, we trust that. We trust it. Same thing was when we went to Marshfield, the same thing, we did the same thing. Same thing when we went to Tulsa, same thing when we planted this church. We called up four or five different people that were in our lives that we trusted their spiritual authority in our lives and input. We said, what do you think? This is what we sense God saying about coming here to plant this church. What do you think? What is God saying to you? And we took that as, I believe, what God wanted for our lives. We trusted that. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 11. Great Bible verse, where there is no counsel, the people, what? Fall. There's several translations that that say different words, but where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is, come on, somebody say it, what? Safety. And how many of you want safety in your lives? Nobody? I want safety in my life. I don't want to mess up, man. Life's too short. To to be messing up constantly and not not fulfilling the will of God for our lives because we got sidetracked here or sidetracked there, see? So God wants to help us not do that by giving us people in our lives. Listen, if you want to make fewer mistakes, get advice from the people in your life and then follow it. Follow it. I mean, some people will will ask advice, but they never follow it. (laughs) They just do their own thing anyway, right? Number five, number five. The fifth thing we need to do, put it to the test, is is it my, my responsibility? Is it my responsibility? Listen, if it's not your responsibility, then why in the world would God talk to you about it? See? I'm not talking about a confirmation to someone that you sense in your heart or something that you just want to submit to someone. And I like to say like this, don't try to find the will of God for everyone else's life but yours. <laughs> don't, don't try to find the will of God for everyone else's life but yours, right? Because God is a God of divine order, right? God is a God of divine order. And some people have a spiritual gift of suspicion. <laughs> they, they have a spiritual gift of sticking their nose in other people's business, right? So here's what I found out. God typically will, will speak to me first, about my life, and then he will, he will challenge it or confirm it through other people that I trust in my life, people that I believe hear from heaven, people that I believe hear from God, and I submit that to him or them, all right? So he talks to us first and then those who are in authority, so be careful, be careful when you, since you have a word from the Lord for other people, always submit that to them. I always say, you know, I, don't, I could be wrong. It could be the tacos I had last night. I don't know. But I just have an impression. I just want to throw it at you and submit it to you. And maybe God's saying something. Maybe God's not. Amen? Maybe God's saying something. Maybe God's not. The sixth thing I wanted to, to give to you today is do I sense God's peace? The sixth way to test it. Do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? If you get an impression and it makes you feel pressured or act hastily, next slide, if you get an impression and it makes you feel pressured or act hastily, guess what? It's what? It's not from God. It's not from God. If it makes you feel overwhelmed or confused, chances are it's probably not from the Lord or at least some of it isn't, okay? You ought to question whether that impression is from the Lord if that happens. Because God wants you and I to live in this this box or or idea of peace, peace in our hearts, see? The enemy wants to put pressure on us. The enemy wants to do all he can to, to make us act hastily. I gotta do it and I gotta do it now, right? But God wants us to walk in his peace. And number seven, number seven, the last way that you put things to the test. Getting a little dark over there. I don't know if today was a good day to open the curtain. <laughs> just so you know. Everybody's sort of checked out going, do you see what's happening over here? <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap this up in just a second anyway. So, uh, yeah, we're not going anywhere for a few minutes anyway, I suppose. Uh, Number seven, number seven, here we go, is, is it my will or God's will? Put it to the test. We're talking about testing the spirit, testing that, that sense that you have. Is it, is it really my will or is it God's will? And, and next week, you will hear more about this. In Isaiah chapter 14, it talks about Lucifer. It talks about the fall of Lucifer. And, and some of the words, the passage over and over says in, in, in Isaiah 14, Lucifer says basically two words. Can anybody guess what they are? I will, that's right. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Those two words capture the heartbeat of Lucifer, captures the heartbeat of the enemy's strategy for our lives. It's our will, my will, I want my will, say. And Jesus said just the opposite. Matthew 26, 39, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's about to, to, to suffer extreme, you know, heart or hurt and, 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 and heartache. And he says, Fa- my Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, may this, may this whole idea, may this task be taken from me. Yet, he says these words, yet not my will, but thy will be done not my will be done. So that's kind of that's where we want to be as believers. Is it getting dark in here? Yeah. The screens look great. Man, the screens look like the <laughs> curtains are closed. <laughs> that's that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. How many of you like storms? I like storms. How many of you don't like storms? Let me see your hand. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll take care of you. All right, so so there's basically three different levels. And I'm closing with this, just so you know, okay? Uh, three different levels that we go through in life that, that you know, sort of, it's a, it's a stage or process that we go through, okay? The first one, the first stage or process is simply, I want what I want, okay? I want what I want, that's the first stage. That's typically when we first come to Christ, you know, we don't know how to be spiritually disciplined or spiritually minded. And we sort of go, through, I, I want what I want. I, I don't care who says what, I just want what I want, right? Right? The, the, second, the second stage, and God wants to take us away from that because that's selfishness. That's being closed to the things of God. The second stage is I want, check this out, I want what God wants, but, Right? Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, I want God, I want what I, I want, I want what you want. I, I'm submitted to your will. I want what you want, but how many of you know our butts can get in the way sometimes? <laughs> but the third stage, and this is where God wants us to all get, to this point where we say, God, look at this, number three. I want what you want, I want what God wants, period. Okay? I want what God wants, period. No buts, no ands, no ifs, right? It's not conditional. I just want, God, I want what you want, period. I want, see, here, here's the deal. God knows best. Father knows best. God knows what's best for your life. God knows that when you get to the end of the line and you draw your last breath, what that will look like and how you can get there and not live thinking, if I would have, could have, should have. See, God wants to help you, but you have to live in that third stage. You have to live there where you say, God, I want what you want for my life, period. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just have the worship team come here and just begin to strum. And, And I know it's dark and it's, getting ready to storm out there, but let's just focus for a few minutes here as we close. So God, we, we all confess that, that oftentimes we get ourselves in the way. And we, it's all about us, selfishness. I want it my way. My way or the highway, we say. (laughs) But God, you don't work that way. And you're not going to bend the rules just for us. You're not going to try to make us feel better by just doing everything we want you to do. So God, I pray for my friends and myself here today. I ask you to do a work on the inside of each of our hearts and lives. God, you you have plans for us. You have a will for us. You have things for us to do. You have things that you want to use us in. But God, sometimes we we just want what we want. and Sometimes we're listening to the wrong voice. We, We want to hear your voice. You said that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And God, that's what we want. We want to hear your voice. We want to train ourselves to know your voice and to sense your direction. And and when we sense something, we want to be able to put it to the test to make sure that we're indeed hearing from heaven. So God, I pray for my friends here today. I pray, God, that you would help us to become spiritually minded, that we would know that we are a spirit. That's who we are. We have a soul that needs to be renewed and not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we live in a body, this this thing called the earth suit. The outside, the structure, the house. And when we die, life doesn't end or cease to exist, we just simply relocate to another place. But Father, as long as we're here in this tent, we want to honor you with our bodies and our lives and our, our passion and our purpose. So Lord, I, I we're going to take a minute and just, just worship for a second. And God, I, I just pray that you'll just do a work on the inside of each of our lives. Renew reconstruct, redefine, whatever you need to do in each of our lives, God, we just give you that right and that authority. We give you permission. Everyone say, I give you permission, God, to just do something fresh on the inside of each of our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's worship for just a couple.